G'day, and welcome to episode 112 of the Pack Heavy Podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson, and today, Nima Saturday, who is the founder and CEO at Broyer, joins us on the show to chat about the Broyer startup story and some of the highlights from their eight years of being in business. Now, founded in 2015 and located in Toronto, Ontario, Broyer produces 100% organic and grass-fed bone broth in four different flavors, all of which are packaged up in some stunning flexible spout pouches. And they also have two classics, being beef and chicken broth, both of which are presented in some pretty innovative 250ml cans. Now, they have a real hyper-focused intention on each step of the supply chain process at Broya. All of their products are made from grass-fed and happily raised animals from local farms, which really allow their key value propositions, being local farmers, happy animals, a thriving environment, gut health, and immune system support to really shine through. Now, Nimmer and the team are driving the business primarily through their e-com platform and several retail locations across Ontario, including Whole Foods, Healthy Planet, Sobeys, Fresh City Farms, and other healthy independent retail locations. Now, before we kick off into today's conversation with Nimmer, if you're new to the podcast, thanks again for taking the time to listen in. My name is Hayden Thompson, like I said right at the start, and as well as chatting with business owners and operators just like Nimmer today, I work for a packaging company located in BC called Food Pack, where we help food-based CBG companies and processors with their packaging and food packaging equipment. And we specialize in three specific areas at Food Pack. The first one is uh, our stock bags, which you could think of as a turnkey solution to getting into the market. We also have custom printed bags and films, which we excel in, and it's also the part of the business that I love the most. And we also have packaging equipment like Ciprimac vacuum chamber machines, Plexpack band sealers, and Repack tray sealers and thermoformers. So if you're looking to get into the market for the first time, would like me to assess your existing packaging program, definitely head along to the Food Pack website by scrolling down into the show notes and there you'll be able to dig into what we do with a little bit more detail and then if that ticks all of the boxes you can get in touch with me directly by emailing me at hayden at thepackofypodcast.com and we can go from there now there is one last thing that i do need to mention before we kick off in today's conversation you will notice that the recording on my end isn't too great this week now after nimmer and i wrapped up our chat i was packing up my gear and my microphone wasn't plugged in which is a first um so yeah, the laptop mic did pick everything up, but my voice is muffled from holding the mic up to my face. So hopefully you can put up with it, and I'm sorry that I let you down there, but there you go. Uh, yeah, it won't happen again, trust me. So let's get into it. Episode 112 with Nima Saturday. Nima, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Um, just before we kicked off, we said that it's been a while um, that you and I have had this in the works. So yeah, finally, really glad to have you on, mate. It's uh, I'm looking forward to the chat. Cool. Yeah, same here. Let's let's jump in. Yeah, mate. So I always like to start off the conversation with where you're from. Where'd you grow up? Nice. Yeah, I'm from Toronto. Uh, grew up just north of north of the city. You know, been there most of my life until the last you know year, couple of years. I've started to venture out of Canada a little bit. So. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Where to? I uh, spent most of the last year in Mexico, Mexico City. I'm in Puerto Escondido right now. Oh, spent wow. a couple months in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah just yeah. kind of living a bit more of a, um, I would say, just focusing a bit more on like lifestyle design and like uh, uh, just living in environments that I feel motivating and you know, uh, just a, you know, more towards like creativity and yeah, uh, where I feel really good. You know, so Canadian yeah, winters yeah. don't give me that. Yeah. yeah no mate try being in vancouver i haven't seen the sun for months <laughs> yeah, yeah totally yeah um this whole lifestyle design is that something that sort of um piqued your interest a while ago like was it did you pick up the four-hour work week Jeez, what's his yeah, name ferris. Yeah, tim ferris yeah, yeah. yeah was it something like that that sort of picked that interest 
Um, you know, I think I think it's uh, it's always been a bit on my mind in terms of just like, you know, ensuring that the life I'm living is kind of in accordance to like uh, just feeling good, you know, feeling yeah. motivated, feeling good, feeling yeah. like my work is valuable, my like I feel good from a health perspective. And I think like with COVID, it was um, uh, it really like propelled that in terms of being a real possibility. And um, I think I think a lot of the times like we we put a lot of limitations sometimes unconsciously in the way we decide to live or the way we decide to pursue certain things. And, um, you know, I think just like with COVID, it was like, oh, I, I really don't need to be in a specific location. Um, it's even weird that I didn't even consider that before and it's like okay well if that's the case where would I want to live in the world that you know still allows me to operate my business uh still allows me to you know um feel great like li live in an environment where yeah I just like I I'm enjoying waking up in this specific environment rather than like mm. a cold place like Canada during the winters you know yeah yeah, yeah, understood. Yeah. Mate, um, just doing a bit of research on you online, it looks like you've sort of, you know, this has been a part of your life, sort of the mind, body, spirit sort of um, piece has been deeply ingrained in you for a long, long time. You went down the rabbit hole of yoga. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say yoga, uh, but definitely um, like a, like meditation for meditation. sure. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, like practice, like body practices, like with the, you know, I, I call it movement. Yeah. Um, specifically, I learned a lot with a teacher named Ido Portal, who's like an incredible movement teacher, probably the best in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, spent a few years learning from him and yeah, just really opened up my mind in terms of what it means to live in a human body and, you know, Ooh. how we kind of move through life physically, how we move through life emotionally, how we move through life, you know, with relationships and in every way, you know, with our business, which is also yeah. a relationship we decide to get into so yeah. yeah dude that's cool have you ever um sort of focused on psychedelics at all as a sort of integration into all of that too yeah i have um i have definitely dove into some psychedelic work um i actually have have done some like mdma assisted psychotherapy as well which right. is pretty impactful yeah um haven't really been uh diving into psychedelics as much in the last few years i think yeah. um i got what i needed from them and also sometimes you can go a little I think too far with them where mm -hmm. you know they, they stop giving you certain information that I think is necessary and I'm more yeah more interested in things that are um you know learning things through a process that is more grounded in reality and you know and for me that's something like meditation or mm -hmm. like really slowing things down and mm -hmm. things a little bit more clearly when you're in psychedelic space sometimes it's a little bit can be confusing and also just the integration process can be dif difficult and it can yeah. be just not uh, not the clearest way for me at least you know that's, yeah that was my experience yeah yeah i've never done um mdma assisted therapy but i've done psilocybin with a shaman and it was such wow. an impactful experience for me but it was the integration session afterward where the value really was yeah. because it was like okay what did we learn and how are we going to actually like make it impact your life so it was a really cool experience for me too nice yeah, yeah. They're, they're very powerful substances yeah yeah that's cool man um what type of meditation do you dig into like mindfulness meditation or what apps are you using yeah i mean i don't use apps uh okay. anymore i mean i started with a little bit of you know headspace or whatever but yeah. uh yeah a couple months and then as i dove deeper i started to do longer retreats like 
I've done four or five different retreats that were between five to 10 days right. each. And, um, you know, you're meditating for like 11 hours a day. You're not talking to anyone for that. Whole sort of like a Vipassana. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. So, so that's, that's really the the style of meditation that I've uh, learned and also just, yeah, the whole Vipassana style of, you know, developing concentration and ultimately leading towards insight um, and towards, yeah, mindfulness and greater awareness. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no, I'm definitely um, going to check that box one day as well. I'd love to, yeah. you know, engage in a retreat like that. Um, nice. mate, so tell me, at what point in your life did you realize that being an entrepreneur and a business owner was something you wanted to engage in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've always thought it was the the path for me especially like you know my dad's been an entrepreneur for the last 40 years he's in right. you know construction business and stuff in Canada um and you know I I think what the time it actually clicked for me was when I was doing my MBA I was uh 24 and I took an entrepreneurship class in my last semester and I really just, I really enjoyed that class uh, just a lot, you know, and uh, I really enjoyed the teacher as well. Like just the way he presented entrepreneurship and the way he shot down so much, so many things, you know, like every time somebody had an idea, he just kind of, he just showed like how terrible of an idea it was, or like he showed the the flaws in the ideas, you know? And, um, and for me, I don't know what it was. It's, it's, I kind of, I prefer feedback that way. I prefer feedback that is very honest and direct. And he was actually an Israeli guy and actually, uh, you know, kind of going back to this movement teacher is Ido Portel is also an Israeli guy. And I think, I don't know, I'm not, I don't want to stereotype, but I think these Israelis have these, this really amazing way of just like pointing towards flaws and just like helping you see clearly in some ways, you know, at least these are two teachers that I've had great experiences with that are both Israeli, both have the same style. Uh, and I, I was really drawn to it. And, and I think there was something just about needing to really dig into, um, you know, like what, like digging into like, like what, where you're going and then how that reflects into reality and essentially reality in entrepreneurship is what are the customers saying and what are the customer where are the customers putting their dollars like are they and what and what are they saying when they put their dollars towards the thing that you're putting like yeah. out there you know? yeah so yeah, yeah. that class that class was very theoretical because like we weren't selling anything but we were but i think it just got me thinking a lot deeper in um in this idea of like wow it would be really cool to like actually develop something send it out into the market and get this like honest feedback you know mm -hmm. i don't know what else is going to give me, you know, a, a, a better like learning experience, you know, mm -hmm. and I think ultimately I've, I've always been drawn to how do I develop as a person? How do I develop as a learner, you know, and how do I continue to grow as a human? You know, mm. that's awesome, dude. Yeah. I, um, I did my master's in entrepreneurship and innovation myself and uh, very similar to you. Like I was attracted to sort of that direct feedback and, you know, it's one thing to sort of understand the theory and read all of the textbooks and, you know, read all of the, um, you know, the how businesses have sort of succeeded and failed over the years. But then it's another thing to actually like put it into practice 
and uh, you know mm-hmm. get out there and um, and try and sell a product and iterate on it as well. If you were to sort of reflect on your program at all, sort of like what flaws did you find in it? Like, were there any major gaps in it where you would, in hindsight, wish they sort of had of had a uh, a unit to sort of teach you on, like sales or you know something along those lines, for example? You mean particularly in the class that I took? Yeah, in the class, because like I guess what I'm leading alluding to is like when I did my masters, you know, I'm I work in sales now. And there wasn't one sales unit in that master's program. And I'm like, sales is kind of everything. If you can't sell, like whether it's a product or an idea, you've got nothing. And I really wish there had been a unit in sales in hindsight. Did you find anything like that too? You know, I mean, because it was just one class and it was, you know, like a four-month class, it was just too short of a duration to like, I think, dive too deep and and broad. But I I like the, the whole class was centered around coming up with an idea with in different groups and essentially yeah. starting business and creating a business plan and um you know actually like calling suppliers calling people to see yeah. if this idea like feasible from like a unit economics perspective mm-hmm. from uh you know what's the marketing strategy things like that but so i think it was a good like intro but, but i yeah i think it takes a lot ultimately like i i, I think that that's as far as you need to go in school with mm-hmm entrepreneurship and then it's like go out in the real world and actually like execute on something you know yeah yeah no definitely so mate at what point in life was uh the idea of bro you're born and uh bone broth yeah so it was around like um say like 2015 2016 um the idea started to come about in terms of i heard about it for the first time uh just around the health benefits of bone Mm. broth and it was an interesting time because I was actually like sourcing um, animal, like full, like whole animals from local farms. And yeah. I was getting the bones. I was getting the organs. I was getting everything. Right. And uh, I wasn't doing anything with the bones. And this was like also a few years prior I was sourcing. But it was an interesting time because it was like people started talking about bone broth and these like very niche people like in the health space. Like nobody knew about premium bone broth then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, okay, let me, you know, let me give this a try. Like I have bones in my freezer. So I start cooking it myself and sipping on like one or two cups a day for like, you know, weeks, weeks go by. And I'm like, man, this is so good. I feel so good when I drink this. And, uh, and you know, there was nothing like that in the market. So it was really, the idea kind of came about then where, you know, I started to think about, okay, I'm, I was in a career with like in real estate, working with like a family business that I just wasn't fulfilled in. Yeah. Um, and it was starting to get to this stage where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do something on my own. Um, and this was like, just kind of like a perfect timing thing where I figured, you know, this like a lot of the things align here, like it aligns with my passion. It aligns with like what I'm already doing as a customer. Like I am mm. doing this, I'm making this, and I don't see a solution in the market. Yeah. Um, and it aligns with my desire to be an entrepreneur and start my own thing. So that's where I really just decided to jump in. You know, that's really cool. I also see that you've got your Bachelor of Science and you um you uh, specialized in biology as well. So I guess that all sort yeah. of ties in with the gut health piece as well. You know, um, when you look at all of the value propositions of um, bone broth, obviously like gut health is pretty much the main one. Um, yeah. You know, when you've got so many um, positive attributes to bone broth and, you know, the when you're sort of looking at it as serving medicine, food as medicine, how do you know which one to sort of focus on and which one resonates with the consumer? With a, with a bone broth specifically? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a it's a really important topic in terms of like for me, I'm very passionate about gut health. Mm. And I, I truly, truly believe that when we focus, when we actually get our gut health right, we fix a lot of problems, like a lot of mental health issues, you know, a lot of different kinds of like autoimmune conditions go away, even like skin issues and stuff yeah. start to go away, you know? Yeah. And um, so, you know, I think bone broth can be a really great contributor to uh, improving gut health. It's definitely obviously not the only thing, but it's, mm. it's a big, you know, and I think the collagen protein in it and just the, um, the like sipping a hot beverage and like having that be pr pretty soothing for the gut is really helpful. Um, but yeah, when you're looking for a good bone broth, you really want to make sure you're using high quality bones. So either like organic chicken, hundred percent grass fed beef. Um, ideally, you know, the source, like, you mm. know, where these are coming from. Um, and then you want to cook the bones for a really long time. Cause that helps extract the collagen protein and all the good stuff and the nutrients from the bones. Uh -huh. uh, and then really, yeah, that's, that's kind of the whole thing around it is, is how can you get as much of the nutrients extracted from the bones and, and, uh, and then you're kind of off to the races, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So did you start in your kitchen and you're bottling it up and friends and family sort of thing to get started and get that sort of initial feedback to sort of iterate on? Was that your process? No, um, not really because, um, being a meat product, you can't really, uh, it's not in Canada, it's not legal to actually cook it in your kitchen and sell it. I, I just was cooking it in my own kitchen, consuming it myself, giving it to friends for sure. Yeah. yeah. And every time I would consume it, every time any my friends would consume it, they would love it. And they would be like, what the hell? This is amazing. You know? Mm -hmm. and, um, but then I eventually like, you know, went to a commercial, a small commercial kitchen, started doing a bit larger batches. Um, yeah. And then just going straight to the market. Like I didn't even stop. I just was like, let's, let's go to some stores. Let's sell it to these stores. Let's see how it's moving. And pretty much that was, that was the beginning of, you know, doing some trade shows as well, like health food trade shows, right. uh, getting back there was really helpful. So. Yeah. yeah cool, was, cool. So when you were getting that feedback, like what kind of iterations did you make early on Were they sort of recipe developments or, you know, flavor profiles sort of, where did that all sort of turn? Yeah, yeah definitely tons of, <laughs> tons of recipe iterations, um, you know, going from kitchen to uh, commercialized product is always, uh, well, not always, I don't know, my experience was was very challenging because uh, we were really working on um, trying to get the product shelf stable uh, without adding too many, like without adding any unnatural ingredients essentially to it, you know, and uh, that's a very difficult process when you're small, small volume. Um, and so, yeah, there was just a lot of different iterations with flavor profiles. Like I had, like, I remember my first trade show, there was probably half the people that just like, were, were like disgusted by the product, you know, yeah. And, yeah. uh, half the people really loved it, but half the people were just, it was a very polarizing yeah. product because it was quite high in like apple cider vinegar and people, some people just don't like, yeah. uh, too acidic, you know? And so it, it was a humbling experience for sure. But you know, it wasn't discouraged. It was just like, it was good information, you know? Yeah, no, that is the information there that you want to get. Um, and I guess you would have had to have hit the ground running with a brand and, you know, a brand story as well. So where did you start with that? Like, where did the name Broya come from? Yeah, I mean, Broya is a very, uh, it's just like a really fun thing to say, you know, and I, and uh, one of the things was like, I really didn't want to just be called like the bone broth company or like, um, you know, bone broth. I didn't want to like just uh, make it seem like, oh, we're just bone broth. Cause it, I wanted to give us, give us the possibility of expanding into different categories yeah. and things like that. Um, 
And, you know, I, I enjoy, I think like having a made up word is like a really uh, great way to name a brand because mm. it's, it's a bit more like, oh, like that's interesting. Like I, I don't, you know, it's a little bit hard at first because like you have to explain what it is. Um, but I think it's better in the long term. Like you look at brands like Vega, for example, it's like it's a word, you know, you, you look at things like um, what's another brand, like even like Lululemon or something. It's like, yeah. it's just like fun to say, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, or like Nike made up word, two syllables, things, something like that. So that yeah. was really like essence of it. And obviously bro, like Broya is like broth and there's just like the yeah is kind of like this positive connotation in some ways you know that's cool and no problems getting a url either <laughs> What's that? there's no problems getting a website either mate no one's gonna have it yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool so um how big's your team at the moment what's that and how big's your team it sounds like it sounds to me as if it's pretty small yeah, yeah, no, we're a super tiny team. I mean, I'm still the only full-time uh, person on the team. And then I have about like, I would say around seven to eight part-time specialist contractors. Right. Um, yeah, I've just found a, like I've hired full-time people in the past and they tend to just, they just didn't work out for me in particular. And I think just with the business I'm building, um, which is a lot more, I would say, focused around slow slow growth um sustainable growth building a good brand um being bootstrapped not taking external mm. capital yeah and um, and really just like focusing on building a good company over a long period of time mm. uh it you know it gives you it, it obviously it limits you a little bit in like team growth but it makes you have to be a bit more of a ninja in terms of like this is the role I really need. And this is the person that I need to work on that role. Yeah. Uh, and it has to be a part-time thing because it doesn't make sense full-time with yeah. where, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's amazing what you've done with limited resources, if that's the case, because your website is beautiful. Like you've obviously spent a lot of time developing that because your business is primarily yeah. e-com at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's about 80% e-commerce. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Was that strategic? Like that's what you thought it would be like when you were first putting pen to paper on the back of that napkin? No, no, definitely not. I mean, it was strategic at the beginning of 2020 because um, we were definitely at a place at the end of 2019 where things were not working in retail the way we yeah. needed them to, um, for a number of reasons. And and ultimately, I made the choice to go all in on e-commerce and that proved to be a fruitful decision because, you know, our growth from 2020 has been, you know, close to like minimum 2x growth every year oh, congratulations yeah. Uh, yeah thanks yeah so and what would you put that um success down to like obviously a focused sort of attention to um that strategic yeah. move um but like what were you focusing on in particular like anything yeah. anything that you can sort of get some insight on yeah i think the number one word is focus and i can tell you exactly what we focused on we focused on um, four key SKUs. So yeah. I got the pro like I did, I did have three other SKUs in 2018, 2019 that I discontinued. They were right. uh, like jer jerky bites. So okay. completely different category than bone broth. So we cut those focused on our four key SKUs. Um, we focused on e-commerce. Like I did not look at retail at all, even though we've been with the same distributor since 2017. Um, 
And so the, the focus was the channel is e-commerce, the product is bone broth, the marketing message is gut health. Yeah. The, the customer is like, you know, a woman over 40 who's dealing with gut health or skin health or energy or weight gain yeah. issues. Yeah. And we're going to run Facebook ads and we're going to continue to scale these profitably on first time order. And we're going to pay attention to, you know, how we can continue to scale and what our LTV and what our CAC is. And um, we spent like 90% of our ad budget on Facebook. So yeah, one product, one channel, one marketing message, one marketing ad spend channel, you know? Yeah. And so that, that was the key was like straight focus and everything else has to go, you know? Yeah. 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 Just get rid of the clutter. That's really cool. Um, yeah. And like, what was your experience with sort of like going deep on e-com? Like, obviously you didn't have a background in e-com. So did you, yeah. you know, partner up with, um, with somebody that could help you out? Did you do any short courses? Like, where did you look for that experience? Yeah, well, I recognized, you know, the driver to growth and acquiring new customers was Facebook ads. Yeah. And then retaining customers was email. And yeah. so the only thing I cared about were those two things. I didn't care about CRO. I didn't care about landing pages. I didn't care yeah. about you know, TikTok or influencer. I just cared about those two things until I hit a certain level that made sense to start looking at these other things. Right. And so I started to learn Facebook ads myself. I worked with a few freelancers prior to learning it myself that were really not successful. Yeah. Um, mostly because I just didn't know what to, um, I didn't know what I needed. So when yeah. you as a founder and owner don't know what you need from a media buyer, it's hard to even judge them, you know, yeah. and, and on yeah. performance. You know? mm -hmm. um, and I see a lot of people make mistakes like that. They, they don't actually learn what's required and what metrics to pay attention to. And then they're like, they blame the agency or the freelancer, but you know, the the rule the the goal for the founder is like you set the rules of the game yeah you write the brief yeah exactly and if they don't hit the rules then they go they don't hit the you know whatever stay within the rules then they have to go but if you got to give them that opportunity you know and, yeah yeah but yeah for me it was like I learned Facebook ads I have a really good friend who's uh, an incredible ad like Facebook ads um, media buyer he taught me a lot of things. Um, I took his course. He just kind of like really helped me out. And, and that was definitely what gave me more of an insight into Facebook ads. So I, you know, basically got our ad account to spending around like 20 K a month on, um, on ads profitably. And yep. then at that stage, I started to look for agencies and people who could start to take over the ad account. And then I could start to, you know, essentially focus on some other things in the business. And, yeah. uh, and then, and that was around like August, 2020, and that's when we we since started working with an agent with an agency and, uh, right. yeah. yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, I mean that sort of June, July, August period of COVID was, you know, it was pretty. In it, was, it seemed to be a bit of a turning point for a lot of businesses, and it sounds as if yeah. that's when your business really took off because it was so focused. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean it it definitely affected us, but. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, it didn't affect us the way it like destroyed other businesses. Yeah. Um, and it, and yeah, it, it we were still able to grow at a healthy pace. You know, yeah. and um, <clears throat> I think my one regret might be like I kind of wish I started this like in 2018 or 2019. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Those are really the glory days and like very cheap CPAs. Like if I knew what I knew in 2020. And I spent what I did in 2020 and 2018, we'd be in a di different place probably. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah. yeah. But it's interesting. You know, 
Hindsight, yeah, exactly. Mate, that's awesome. Um, it looks like you've also been innovating in this space as well, because obviously you're packaged up in a beautiful flexible package, um, you know, yeah. a squeeze pouch with a, um, which is awesome. Like you don't see that very often. Obviously, this is the space that I'm working in. I work in flexible packaging, right. so I'm really attracted to your beautiful packaging. I know that you were previously in a bottle, and I know that you've just innovated into a can as well. So are you able to sort of yeah. talk about sort of the packaging innovation over the years and, and decisions that you've made that have been critical to Breuer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've been in like three different, we were in like three different glass uh, uh, formats before I actually moved to the pouch. Yeah. And the move to the pouch was really a business changer. Like we probably would have died if we didn't do that um, because we were shifting way more into e-commerce mm -hmm. and our glasses were shattering in the winter when we would ship it across the country. And yeah, terrible. it was just like, it was a disaster. Yeah. So we made the switch to the pouch. It was also very difficult to make that switch, but we ended up eventually making it work. Um, and and yeah, the pouches are definitely the format that work best for us right now. And um, the customer also, I think, just understands the pouch a lot more right. than like a single uh, glass bottle. Yeah. Um, you know, and then and then yeah, recently we innovated into the can. I think this like ready to drink bone broth is a very interesting concept yeah um in a can format that's like 100 recyclable um yeah we just have we have the capabilities at our co-packer now to do a can format like this that's still shelf stable that's great uh, and yeah no one's ever done something like this and i you know i have ideas in terms of iterating and innovating on this on this category and mm. you know creating a bit more like savory drink flavors that are like high in collagen protein and things like that so yeah. Are people drinking it out of the can cold, like straight from the fridge? Yeah, I would say I would say it's like a half and half right now. Probably yeah. like you know, a lot of customers are still warming it up. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is like our flavors that we launched with the cans, they are classic flavors, so they are they can be like a little basic for some people. So they might even add it to a soup, or they might, um, yeah, they might just want a bit more salt. Like we we've had a lot of customers ask for low sodium so we did make this one a bit more low sodium mm. but yeah i would say like the where the intention of this format is going is more we get really delicious flavors that you just drink right out of the can that are you know also functional with yeah you know high protein and stuff like that yeah. that's cool mate i haven't seen anything like that out in the market here in canada what's the market down in the states looking like and sort of where do you look for the direction of the market uh the bone broth yeah, market yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, uh, the, there there isn't anything like this in the states either. I mean, cool. it's uh, the the single serve bone broth. I think has just not really been a format that has like worked well uh, in the past. And I think like you know we tried it in the glass, didn't work. I've seen um, brands in the U.S. try it in like plastic bottles with like veggies and. I've recently seen them. They've discontinued. I have seen a brand do it in like a coffee, like plastic coffee cup kind of style. Yeah. And I, I think that works actually quite well. Okay. Um, but, um, but yeah, I would say like what I'm trying to do with this category is it is essentially is category creation um, with single serve in a can. So yeah. it's a little bit of a, you know, it's always, I mean, that's what I did when I launched initially was just premium bone broth was a new category. So I'm kind of doing this same like uphill battle in some ways, but I don't know why I'm just, I'm just drawn to something that just like makes sense to me and is more innovative and, you know, something like the market just hasn't seen, you know? So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 
I feel very strong about this uh, this format, and I think it's yeah, it's definitely one to to look for in the next few years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think it's too complicated. Like, it's one thing to educate the consumer or a market on a brand new sort of like concept, but the concept of bone broth isn't anything that's new. Like, it's been around for quite some time, so I completely understand it. So it's not a far reach for them. But um, exactly. Yeah, so I love that you're focused on your business at the moment. Like it sounds as if like you've really streamlined things as well. Uh, all of the campaigns that you put up on Instagram are awesome. Um, uh, the woman that's like the primary focus on, what's her name? Her name's Chrissy. Yeah, she's great. Like she seems like a really great advocate for your brand as well. She's hilarious too. Like I, I always have a laugh at your at your videos. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's actually a good friend of mine as well. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had like we had a, a long-standing friendship for um, cool. even before she worked for the brand, and yeah. uh, we've always we've always been kind of on the same page with health and stuff like that. And yeah. she, when she got the content creation, it was like, oh, this is a perfect perfect fit for us, you know. It made sense, yeah. And have you eventually broken into TikTok, or it's something you just got by the side and you're not going to focus on it at all? Yeah, no, actually, that was kind of the focus of when Chrissy started with us. Okay. She's done a lot on TikTok. We have like twenty five thousand followers on there. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, we started a little late from when the boom started, but we did get some pretty good growth over yeah. the last like year, year and a half. Um, and yeah, we've tested some TikTok ads, but not a ton. I think we're going to try that again pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, cool. Mate, um, obviously you've been at it for a while now. I wouldn't say that your business is new, but are there any particular challenges that are memorable throughout the development of Breo? Like any forks in the road that you had to fix or improve on something? Yeah, I mean, I think the packaging change was is probably the one that stands out the most. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever you're going from different packaging formats, it's it's a bit of a nightmare because you, um, you know, generally what what's happening is, especially a product like bone broth, which is like a meat product. Mm -hmm. um, you focus, you you kind of go through all the food science around how it fits into a glass bottle. And then you try to mimic that food science in a new packaging format. It's not always the same. So, mm. there's, you know, some like this is just material, like packaging material um, is just it's a whole like complex beast. You it know? Is. And, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, learning going through that process was super challenging because our the first pouches we actually printed um, had some flaws in it and they would like, some of them would end up leaking and things oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we worked with the wrong packaging, uh, supplier at that point. And, yeah. you know, at the time I didn't, I didn't even know because like, you know, the pack packaging suppliers tell you they can do everything sometimes and <laughs> it's not exactly what you need, you know? And yeah. Yeah. The challenge is like, you know, I'm always for, you know, if, if somebody is going to, um, you know, do a packaging uh, supply for you. It's like, it's always best if they have done it the same product before. Yeah. But unfortunately, no one has ever put in bone broth in a pouch the way we were doing it. With like a spout, it, yeah. With, well, yeah, with a spout, but also just like the application process and the filling process that we were using. Right. There, there are some companies in the US that are doing it in the uh, pouch shelf stable, yeah. but they were, using, they were using a different process. Like they were using a retort. We're not using a retort. So there was yeah. just a bit more of a um, different process in that sense. And that provided challenges because yeah. no packaging supplier knew what to tell us, you know? And yeah, yeah. Uh, so we did have to do our own tests. And by the time we got our tests and everything, it, it was fine. But that's always that like little, uh, <laughs> little area of like, 
uh, uncertainty that you're just kind of losing sleep sometimes. <laughs> oh, dude, I don't doubt it. Yeah, I know. Um, are you doing a hot fill? Yeah, we're doing an acidification hot fill in the pouches. Um, we are actually going to move to a retort pretty soon, but oh, cool. um, yeah, so, which is like, it's just a little, a little safer, you know, and um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but we haven't had the retort capabilities for like until like basically six months ago. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. Um, now, if you had the opportunity to go back to before you started Broyer with the knowledge that you have now, what business advice would you give yourself? <laughs> I mean, definitely the business advice would be the focus, you know, would be, yeah. you know, create a shelf stable product that is, you know, um, uh, easy to ship and the margins are, you know, healthy enough that you can make it work on e-commerce and then just dive deep into e-commerce and don't worry about retail. Um, you know, that's, that's the advice I definitely wish I gave myself and, it's advice some people gave me, to be honest. And I, yeah. I look back and think like, shit, I should have probably done that. But uh, it's it's interesting because you, um, like as like for me as an entrepreneur starting out, you don't you don't know. Like you have you have like you're very unsure, you know. And yeah. because I didn't have skills in e-commerce, because I didn't have skills in CPG, I didn't have skills in retail. I just kind of went with the path of least resistance, which was. Um, you know, other brands are going to shows, other brands are talking to retailers, other brands are going to stores and getting in stores. And that's kind of how they were growing and getting feedback, you know? And so I decided to take that path. Um, not that it was, uh, there was anything wrong with it. It's just like, there was definitely a better path, which would have been e-commerce, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it would have, would have been awesome if I started there, uh, for yeah. that's yeah i understand um you know the thing with e-commerce that always gets um discussed is how expensive it can be and you just talked about margins and how quickly they can get eroded um yeah. shipping in canada is really expensive how do you navigate that yeah no it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bitch for us to be honest we um <laughs> we we definitely have had major challenges shipping liquid because it does get heavy mm -hmm. um, you know having said that we are a unique we are in a unique position as a CBG brand because the way customers actually consume bone broth is like they're consuming it daily. So our average order value is actually quite high. It's like $100 on first time purchase wow. can get up to like 130 to $150 on repeat purchase. Yeah. So like we are we are in a good space to be able to ship our product, yeah. uh, even though it's like a heavy liquid um, compared to many other brands like you know, I've seen a lot of other brands with like $30, $40 average order values in CPG. And it's just like, it's pretty, pretty hard to make that work. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. And so I think for us, we're just because we're in that unique situation, it allowed us to to scale profitably and, um, and yeah, just kind of grow that way. But shipping is still quite expensive. We do put on, we do put some barriers on shipping with like certain rural postal codes. Like we, yeah. Uh, we do charge shipping to those postcodes anyway because i mean it could get to like a hundred dollars a shipment in like rural newfoundland or something you know so we yeah. just have to just can't ship there basically yeah yeah for sure um you know you mentioned earlier on like there's you know the initial um customer acquisition and then there's the retention of the customer as well you know you were talking yeah. about the repeat purchase being so high what would you put that down to like obviously you've got some hugely loyal fans out there that are purchasing yeah. quite frequently for um from you you know, what's yeah. your secret? Like you mentioned mailing campaigns before, but like, how are you holding on to people? 
Yeah. Well, we have a really incredible just like email marketing strategy. We're starting, we've started to do a lot more SMS. But you know what? The thing is, I would say is that like once somebody actually starts sipping on bone broth mm. and and like if they really like our flavors, which a lot of our customers who try them, they they end up loving our flavors are a lot different than what else is out there. Yeah. Um, it's it's really easy to make it part of your lifestyle once you kind of like generate that habit. Yeah. Uh, and there are just tons of customers for us that are just like they can't go a day without having a, a cup of bone broth or or, you know, like. And this is my experience as well. A lot of them, you know, you're not always going to be perfect with your diet. And sometimes that throws your gut health off quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I've done this myself. Like it's like sometimes you go out for to a meal for a restaurant and it's like maybe got some seed oils in it or something and yeah. just kind of like destroys your gut. You know, one of the first things I do is like I go straight to bone broth and a lot of our customers do the exact same thing. And I th yeah. think being able to realize that like, oh, like even if I go off a little bit, even if I drink a little bit of alcohol, I can come back and make sure I have my cup of broth and it's there. Yeah. And so um, there's that comfort of knowing that like, this is, this is a part of the toolkit of recovering your gut health as well. So I think that yeah. really helps repeat purchase rate too, you know? That's cool. Yeah. Really looking as your food as medicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mate, if we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever, so this is in business or in life, what would you have accomplished? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if we were able to, you know, double our business again this year, um, remain profitable um, and and ultimately, like, continue to live this life that I'm living, which is, you know, very um, focused on just, you know, continuing to improve the lifestyle that I live. Like, I, you know, I get to go to sunset every day Beautiful. at, like, five o'clock and, like, spend two hours on the beach and, you know, watch a beautiful, it's like, you know, it's, I, I'm really just like living a, a really, a life that I feel really good about, you know, yeah. and, um, and I'm not sacrificing on like my goals. I'm not sacrificing on my ambitions. It's just like this kind of, um, you know, rhythm of life is something that I'm really interested in continuing to dive into. And, um, you know, which includes business growth, which includes like developing deeper relationships, which yeah. includes like, you know, living in an environment you feel inspired and creative in, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. Mate, there are so many people that, you know, are caught in the rat race and they hate their job and they hate their spouse and, you know, like they just can't stand life. What advice would you give to somebody that's listening today that's sort of caught in that trap and uh, and wants to get out but needs a push? I mean, I think the first thing is like, you know, the person needs to understand, like needs to see if there is an issue in their life, you know, and some people um, aren't aware of it, you know, and, and maybe, and I think we all have, we all go through things no matter what, you know, it's like, yeah. my life is always like roses and rainbows either, you know, it's like, there's, there are challenges that always come up, but yeah, I think somebody who's like, you know, not enjoying their life, they're not enjoying their job, they're not in fulfilling relationships. I think the first step is really to to be aware of that and yeah. i love the concept of um it's a nasim talib concept called via negativa and it's essentially like subtracting things in your life or yeah subtraction by addition or addition by subtraction right right yeah and i take this philosophy with my diet i take this philosophy with just um my mental health sometimes i take this philosophy with many different things in life and you know, I think the, the the whole thing is like, if I'm overthinking, yeah, like I probably need to go sit and meditate and like focus on my breath in the present moment. You know, if I, if my gut health is off, 
Well, it probably just means I need to eliminate certain things in my diet or things that I'm eating or like, um, or just get really clean with my diet and only drink bone broth and eat fruit and some meat and things like that, you know? And, um, and I, that is, uh, that is like a superpower when you're able to just create space, you know, in your mind or in your body in, you know, relationships, you know, if you're in a relationship, you don't like, it's like, you just might need some space in order to think clearly, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally, dude. That's great advice. Thank you very much, mate. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. It uh, lived up to every expectation that I had. So thank you very much. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was great. It was great to chat with you, dude. No worries. If anybody wanted to get in touch and learn a little bit more about Broya, or uh, you know, ask you some specific questions, what's the best way for them to go about it? Yeah, I mean, they can you know follow us on Instagram at Broya Living at Broya Living. Um, follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's Nima Soco N I M A S O C O. Or um, they can add me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Nima Sotade in there. I'm pretty, I'm pretty available on Twitter. I love Twitter, so it's a better place. Yeah. Very good, awesome, mate. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks, Hayden. Appreciate it, man. Ciao. So that was episode 112 in the bank. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. And as usual, if you'd like to continue the conversation, definitely jump on to LinkedIn and you'll find everything from today's episode there. Um, Definitely ask all of the questions um, that you'd like in the world and we'll see if Nimmer and I can answer them for you. Uh, Okay, episode 113 next week. I've got Jade Herman coming in from Yogu. Awesome conversation and definitely worth tuning in for it. So yeah, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers.